Welcome to the latest edition of Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to hear from you, our listeners, especially all the women out there. You can write us at hoopsandtalks at gmail.com or tweet us at hoopsandtalks on Twitter. Please let us know your thoughts about the Blazers, about the NBA, about this podcast. We want to know what is on your mind. Send us your questions. Send us your suggestions and all your hot takes. We want hot takes. So you can find the Hoops and Talks podcast in the Blazers Edge podcast feed. So however you get your podcast, go there, subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast, and every other week you will get the Women's Hoops and Talk podcast. We'll have all sorts of fantastic guests, all female guests, talking everything basketball. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and with me as usual is my co-host, Kendall Bennett. Kendall, it is so good to be talking to you again this week. I know, it's good. I feel like it's it's been a while. I don't think it has been, but I feel like it has. <laughs> when there's no Blazer games in the middle, it just like drags on forever, yeah, doesn't it? I feel it? like this has been like a very long postseason it really does. Well, it's really heating up and hopefully we will get to talk a little bit about that this episode. But before we go any further, we have on the line our very first return guest to Women's Hoops and Talks. You know her from her work on NBC Sports Northwest. She writes, she does digital media, she hosts the scoops, she wears many hats because she has many talents. Please welcome back to the show, Jamie Hudson. Aw, thanks, Tara. I am very honored to be the first returning guest. Thanks, Kendall and Tara. That's awesome. <laughs> so, Jamie, what has it been kind of, uh, what has the past couple weeks been for you now that obviously the Blazers aren't playing? Just kind of what has your postseason been like? Oh, yeah. So, it's kind of funny because you think, okay, well, the Blazer season's done and, you know, things kind of like slow down. Um, but we've been really trying to vamp up our website so nbcsportsnorthwest.com i gotta get that in there you know guys um but we're not only um focusing on off-season stuff so of course we're getting ready for the draft because blazers will have um draft workouts this week actually starting friday but uh we're also doing fun articles so i've been really busy uh providing different articles and videos on the website um and it's been fun uh obviously nba postseason's been pretty fun but it's not as fun when we don't get to talk about the blazers so i'm glad to be talking blazers with you guys today (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, hopefully things will slow down for you a little bit, but maybe not even until the end of summer, because as you know, as soon as the draft workouts are over, then we're going to go right into the draft and then free agency summer league. Are you going to go down to summer league this year? I am. Yeah. So I'm excited about summer league. And it's funny, Tara, I know, doesn't it seem like the NBA now is more like the NFL and where there's always something going on, like all year round. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, also like really good and interesting and positive things going on year round, which is what I really like about Mm -hmm. it. No, it is. It's great. How's your guys' off season been? Kendall, how about you? Um, It's been good. I've been obviously watching all the the different playoff series and staying very, uh, very involved with that, trying to, trying to not, be too upset that the Blazers aren't playing, but also still just very interested. Um, I've been rooting for who I wanted the finals to be, which I wanted it to be a Cavs and Rockets finals, but um, obviously we didn't get that. We're getting our fourth year in a row of, uh, you know, Rocket or not Rockets, um, Cavs and, and Warriors. So a little disappointed about that, but definitely been enjoying the postseason, obviously. Um, it's been very entertaining to watch and a lot of stuff has been happening. So I've enjoyed it. Jamie, are the finals playing out like you thought? Yeah, this is what I was thinking would happen. But I really wanted the Celtics, actually, because I thought what a story that would have been for Brad Stevens to take that team without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. I mean, those role players stepped up to the max, right? I mean, that was crazy. So I would have loved to see the Celtics in the finals. Um, But hey, we get another rematch and 
this might be the last rematch with LeBron in Cleveland. So at least there's that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't quite understand it, but for me, like I do not want to see another series with the team from the Bay Area. But at the same time, <laughs> I did not want to not have LeBron in the finals. And I don't, I don't know why, like, I'm so tired of one team and just never want to not watch the other one. It's, <laughs> it's just, I, I feel like we're really witnessing something amazing with LeBron going on right now. And I think to me, like the whole thing so far has summed up in his last play of the last game where he went up to the hoop with Marcus Smart, like hanging off of him, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like both arms on his shoulder, holding him down down and he still went up and he still made it and I just like that sums up LeBron right now (laughs) yeah that's a good point that was a strong finish that's for sure I don't know like if he's got jetpacks in those shoes or what (laughs) it's it's amazing I think a lot of people agree with that kind of Mm -hmm. opinion where a lot of people are really tired of seeing the Warriors but still want to see LeBron I mean I definitely fit into that pretty much everyone I talk to or I watch games with, like, they all feel the same way. I think the big difference is that, like you said, like, we're watching something really amazing with LeBron. And with the Warriors, I think a lot of people are just over it because they're a super team. So it's like, yeah, the the team is amazing, but it's because they have so many good players on the team that it's not as, at least for me, it's like there's no element of surprise anymore. It's just like, oh, you expect them to be this way. With LeBron, he still amazes people. Every time he goes out there, he goes against what everyone thinks is possible. And with the Warriors, it's like nothing is a surprise. So it's not as fun. And that's kind of the big, that's what made sports so fun is kind of that element of surprise of not knowing what's going to happen. And I think you don't get that with the Warriors. And I think that's why people don't like them as much. That makes sense. And you know what I think is also going to be has been really interesting, at least about the end of the conference finals. And we might also see in the finals is like how tired everybody is. And like some of these games, you know how much I love chaos. And some of these games have just been chaos. (laughs) They're just like, they're so tired. And I don't know. I just personally love it when other teams mess up because then I don't feel so bad about when my team does. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that was, what was interesting is as fun as the series were, these these what the conference series were to watch I feel like overall it was a lot of really sloppy basketball I mean obviously there were players who had amazing games and all that but overall I felt like so much of what we were watching was just really sloppy and I don't know if it was just people being tired or if it was just just how it was happening it's just there was a lot going on and it was kind of it was interesting to watch but it also kind of got weird where it was like you didn't feel like you were watching the same level of basketball all the time that maybe you should be in a conference series yeah I guess after a hundred games you're you're pretty tired (laughs) (laughs) so Jamie what do you think the the keys would be for because right now Golden State is favored do you have any ideas about keys for the Cavs if they want to overcome and uh and come come from behind as the underdog and take this thing I think that you know the way LeBron's playing is people shouldn't think that they're that much of an underdog. I mean, you keep hearing it and you see the Vegas odds. And I mean, it's crazy. I I get it why the Warriors would be favored that much. But like you were just saying, LeBron is playing out of his mind. And everyone's talking about how the supporting cast Mm -hmm. uh, right now, there's not much. And yeah, there hasn't been, especially with Kevin Love out. It'll be interesting to see um, when Love comes back after... Uh, clearing all the concussion protocol stuff. But I think to get past, like you said, Kendall, a super team like the Warriors, I mean, I think LeBron's going to need just a bit more help, but he's been playing so friggin' well that it's like, I think it's still going to be a fun, close series. Like, I don't think it's going to be an easy four-game sweep for Golden State. I think that it could go to six games. Um, But as far as keys... Is we're going to need more consistency out of J.R. Smith or, I mean, Tristan Thompson. 
because it's like one half of basketball with the Cavs. It feels like, oh, it's all LeBron. And usually like it seemed like the second half, but he just needs more people to step up like the Celtics were doing with their role players stepping up. I mean, I, I believe that this Cavs team, they can have their role players, you know, elevate just a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thought LeBron really, at least in, like, especially in the second half of that last game, he was really, he was putting his guys in a, in a, in a place to make the big play. And they started being able to make the big yeah. plays. You know, it wasn't just all him scoring. Like there's yeah. something about the way that he can get other people who, as long as they can finish, you know, then they can be involved like he is. It's not just like, you know, like when Russell Westbrook takes over the game and everybody else right. just gets out of the way. It's like, no, get in place because it's coming mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think when you have a player like LeBron on the team, obviously any team, no matter who, who else is on there is going to be hard to beat with him. But when you also mm -hmm. have his, when you have the other starters stepping up and even if they're only getting 10, 15 points a game, that makes a huge day. I mean, there, I don't remember which game it was, but one of the games in the series, every single starter for the Cavs scored at least like 12 points or something. And they, it was a completely different game to watch. So when yeah. you have those players, they don't need to be out there scoring 25 points a game, may, putting out all-star numbers. They just need to like do their role, do a, get a decent amount, get just in double digits. And that team is very hard to beat just purely because LeBron is there. So the rest of the team just needs to like have a solid foundation so that he can take them to the next level. And they're capable of that. They're just not consistently doing it. So hopefully they can, hopefully they can do it in this series, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I am looking forward to, I hope it is. I hope you're right. I hope it is an exciting series and not just a, a romp, uh, but we have a lot to cover. Um, this is the 15th episode of women's hoops and talks. And so for uh, to celebrate that, I thought it would be fun if we could talk about 15 things that we liked about this NBA season. So we've each spent a little bit of time just thinking about five things that really stood out for us in this season. So let's just go ahead and see if we can't get through this list. Are y'all, y'all ready? Oh yeah. Okay. How about our, our guest, Jamie, would you like to go first? Oh, yes. Okay, I'll start it off. So I was thinking back to the beginning of the season and like early on in this Blazers uh, season and how Shabazz Napier really took it upon himself to show that, hey, I can be the backup point guard. I should be getting more minutes. And then that progressed into not only more Shabazzle Dazzle, which I love that <laughs> nickname, but then the Stumptown Coffee commercial, which I still love. I know some people like Shabazz is the man gets stuck in your head. And so they, they don't like it anymore. But that was one of my favorite promos. And when they would play that at Moda Center, when he would do some crazy, you know, uh, layup like or crazy pass and Shabazz is the man jingle. I won't sing it because I can't sing, but it was just <laughs> the best thing. I love that. That was one of my favorite things about the year. I'll sing it. Shabazz okay. is the man. Shabazz <laughs> is the man. Shabazz. Oh, I love it, Tara. That sounds that sounds so good. I love it. I I loved that too. <laughs> Where are you up or down on the Shabazz is the man, Kendall? I love it. I think the Blazers in general with all of their kind of promotional stuff, just do a really great job. I mean, yeah. like the CJ, um, was it the Papa Murphy's commercials? Are a mate like his? Is it Papa oh, Murphy? There was a there's a funny pizza one. Oh, the pizza one, yeah. It's all all those little things that they do. They're I think they're all really great. Um, so I think obviously the um, Shabazz one is great, but I think in general they're just all really good with like the stuff they do. Um, so I always love, I love it all. I think it's more enter entertaining to watch games and different things when you know the personalities of players too. And I think they do a good job at really doing that off the court. So I love it. I love all of that stuff. Yeah. And I'm personally a really big coffee drinker. So I was excited to see that they were actually doing my beverage because usually it's oh, like nice. soda and all that stuff. Yeah. I love Stumptown. Stumptown is finally in LA too. So I, 
I'm spoiled here. I did have some town still. Oh, nice. <laughs> and and, and uh, Kendall, as far as Shabazz's production this year, do you uh, agree it was fun to watch him break out? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's always fun to watch someone on your team that maybe you don't entirely expect. I mean, he, he wasn't that we didn't expect it from him, but maybe just not to the same level. We didn't expect quite as much from him. Um, so it's definitely fun to see that. And it's exciting to have more players on your team step out in those roles. Definitely gives you more confidence in your team. So yeah, I liked it all. It's always fun to watch. Well, you want to do the next one? Go ahead and into the next thing that we liked about the season. Yeah. So I'm actually, my first one is the all-star game. So obviously with the new format this year where instead of doing conferences, they did the team captains. Um, I've always loved the all-star game. That's just something that it's kind of as cheesy as it can be sometimes. I've always loved it. Um, But obviously, as everyone has talked about, the last few years hasn't been very competitive. So seeing that new format and seeing that there was it actually did really help make it competitive. Um, I loved it. I thought the game was fun to watch for the most part. Um, I mean, you could tell that the players were really trying harder. They cared besides obviously like um, players like Steph Curry, James Harden, they didn't really try, but at this point I don't really expect either of them to try and things like that. So that wasn't, um, that wasn't surprising at all. But another thing I loved about the all-star game was, um, Another big thing that just kind of came out of it that was funny was obviously the Fergie anthem. <laughs> um, that obviously was all over social media. It was great. I loved all the videos of like players' reactions and celebrity reactions and all of that. Uh, so, yeah, I think in general, just the All-Star game this year was just a lot of fun. I think it was – they did a lot better with it this year than they have the past few years. So that was very exciting for me. I thought it was super fun to have a Blazer have a really good game because usually they barely even get in and Damian had a really nice showing. He probably should have been the MVP, but you know. Do you know he was actually the only player besides uh, LeBron to get an MVP MVP vote? He got one versus um, LeBron got all the rest. So I think that, I mean, obviously that doesn't really do much, but I think it speaks... (laughs) Just to have someone, especially considering he wasn't even a starter or anything, and they Somebody did was the only other player to get a vote. So, Jamie, do you think that that next year they're going to um, televise the All Star Draft? I think they should if they're smart, but I think the players they don't want it. So I think the league will listen to the players and be like, oh, okay, we won't. But that would be so fun to watch and imagine all the social media that would like go with it. I I know I would enjoy it, especially if it was recess style, like they were out on a playground and <laughs> I think that would be awesome. But right I, I don't game. see it happening. What's that? Like right before the game. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big support, supporter of that. I know that's been brought up and obviously there's the issues of then they can't have all the promotional stuff and they can't have jerseys ready and all of that. And I, I totally get that money-wise and business-wise, it doesn't make sense. But I think entertainment-wise, they that 100% should be how it happens. They just put them all on, on, all on the court and they just have to pick. And I think, I mean, I think I've seen a lot from players where there are some players who really do want it and some players that don't. Um, So I think it will be interesting to see, because I don't really know, it's kind of hard to tell, because I definitely have seen a lot of players come out and support televising it. Um, So I don't really, it's hard to tell if more support it being televised or more support it not being televised. But um, I, I mean, I definitely hope they do. I think it'll be entertaining and they could definitely make a lot of money off of it. And that's mm-hmm. what they care about. So I think I think there's a good chance that they do it. If not next year, then within the next few years, I think they'll probably put something in place. Well, I'm going to move us on so that we can make it through all of these. And my first thing that I am going to bring up as the self-appointed chairperson of the Alpha Rukaminu Appreciation Society, <laughs> one of my favorite things about this year was Alpha Rukaminu busting out the Euro step. 
that was an unexpected pleasure that I never thought I would see. And I actually went back and watched. Um, I didn't have a chance to watch all of them, but I watched most of Aminu's drives on stats.mba.com. You can go on and you can like see like all the drives. So um, you're welcome, Blazer fans. I went back and watched all of those. <laughs> so you didn't have to. And I found at least three instances of the Aminu Euro step. And the reason I think that is significant, it's, you know, I'm joking about it, but it's also, you know, we all know what an adventure it is every time he gets the ball and brings it up the court. But I really do feel like this year he got uh, he demonstrated more control than he has ever shown before. I think it's always going to be, um, you know, and like I said, an adventure when he dribbles the ball, just because that he has that like really super high dribble and he moves kind of fast and he's a little herky jerky and he's got those pointy elbows. It's always going to be like, hold your breath type situation. But I think he, I think he did in general demonstrate more control and the fact that he could like, you know, end it with a Euro step, I thought was very promising and also supremely entertaining. I like how you say it's always an adventure. That's a good way to put it, Tara. That's a good way. I like it. It is. It's always an adventure for all involved. I mean, I couldn't believe when I was watching all of his um, drives, like I was saying, there were so many where he fell down or where like someone poked him in the head or where he like lost it behind his back. But then there were, but then like everybody just kind of stands there and watches him because they don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of times that gives him like a clear path to the basket. <laughs> okay well let's go with round two jamie another thing that was a highlight of the year for you okay uh so i was thinking about zach collins rookie year as a whole and i think most blazer fans would agree that a lot of people didn't have very high expectations and i remember draft night seeing a lot of tweets and a lot of posts everywhere being like oh what the heck why did the blazers move up to get this guy who came off the bench for gonzaga i mean there was a lot of um questions uh being asked and so i think that Collins exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Granted, I feel like they were set pretty low. Mm -hmm. But when I think about his rookie season, um, not only is this a guy, well, let me back up. For people that don't know, I am a Gonzaga grad. So I should say that. <laughs> yeah, let's get but that in there. Let's get that in there. So clearly I watched uh, Collins' freshman year in Gonzaga quite a bit. In fact, I was there at the Final Four and I did cry after they lost in the championship. But um that was the coolest experience I've ever been a part of and um my husband's okay with me saying that that might have been cooler than our wedding he's okay with that um he was there with me though so we're good so we're good but um <laughs> like it's like honeymoon he, he gets me yeah um but the fact that coming in as a, a 19 year old uh when he first entered the league he showed the league that he's got so much passion for the game. I think that's what Blazer fans really love to see, that you know he was not afraid to go up against anyone. I remember when he first blocked James Harden at home, like that was amazing. Blazer fans were like, oh, hell yeah, let's see more of that. Um, and his relationship with Ed Davis is something that really stood out to me. I think that people need to kind of appreciate what Ed Davis did to be a mentor for Zach Collins. I mean, it's crazy seeing um, them at practice or you would see them pregame warmups. They're always talking. I mean, they had not only a friendship, but you could tell that Ed Davis really took Zach Collins under his wing. And I think that that's such an important thing. You need a veteran and who who better than Ed Davis, right? We all love Ed Davis's work ethic. And I, I believe that Ed saw a little bit of himself in Zach. And he thought, okay, I could help out this rookie. And I think that was so key. And it will be key when you look at Zach Collins's career, like over the years. I, I just, I love that Ed Davis was there for him. And, and the fact that they came in off the bench together, that just helped too. So that was something I was thinking about. I 100% agree with you. Okay, Kendall, next up. Um, so I love drama in sports. 
So naturally, I loved the whole Rockets Clippers locker room situation that happened. Oh, nice. That was like one of my favorite moments of the season. Just everything <laughs> that came out, all the memes that came of it. Bleacher Report made a Game of Zones episode about it, which I'm a very avid Game of Zones fan. Um, so I watch those every week and they, when they come out during postseason. And that one was obviously amazing. Um, but yeah, that whole situation. So for people who don't know, um, obviously the Rockets, they had the situation where they, they had a game at the Staples Center against the Clippers uh, in January, I believe. And they there was a whole thing with the secret tunnel and whatever it was. It's The, the details are kind of all over the place of what's actually true or not. But um, they went in the locker room of the Clippers and they went, they kind of like went after Austin Rivers or whatever it was. And um, yeah, I just think it was really funny. I loved the inside the NBA reactions where they were, they were laughing that there was police presence um, that had, they had the police had to come and deal with it. They were saying like, Oh, the basketball players can't defend themselves or whatever it is. These huge guys need the police to get involved. And I just thought the whole thing was really funny. Um, the memes that came out of it were just my favorite thing. Like the internet app, like Twitter, the whole, like a week or two after that was just, it didn't go away for a while and it still is brought up all the time. So um, that was definitely one of my favorite moments. Yeah. The secret tunnel is going to go down in, uh, in infamy. <laughs> okay. Well, the next one for me was, uh, is about Yusuf Nurkic. So I have a very hot and cold relationship with Yusuf Nurkic. It's been very up and down as uh, my uh, appreciation of him has uh, waxed and waned throughout the year that he's been with us or a year and a half. He's been with us. Um, at first I was like, no, I'm not a fan. And then I, as everybody else was kind of starting to cool to him, I really started to warm up to him. And one of the reasons I've really started to warm up to him is because I think that he's actually shown a lot of maturity and growth throughout the season. I think there were points in the middle of the season where, you know, he was pouting and he got put on the bench or, you know, they won't, I don't think that anybody would ever like say that directly, but that's what it looked like to us fans. Um, so there were times when he would get put to the bench. Um, but I noticed in the second half of the season, especially um, instead of, you know, when things were going poorly for him, instead of sulking and getting pulled from the game, I noticed that he would just, he would just get back on defense and he would start by playing defense the way that he knew that he knew how to play defense. And then as he, you know, got more back into his groove, then his offense would often come back to him. And to me, one of the measurements of how he's matured and how much he's learned is the amount of dunking that he does, because we know he still doesn't dunk a lot, but how everybody just goes wild when he does dunk, because like, He's a natural at it. He should be really good at it. But when you consider the fact that he didn't grow up in, you know, the American culture where like, you know, so many of people like that's what you did when you were a kid is you imagined what it was going to be like dunking all over everybody. Like you just grew up like, you know, trying to figure out how you could jump high enough so you could get that dunk. And he did not grow up um, in that same situation. You know, he he didn't even play basketball until, you know, quite a bit later in life. So like dunking is not second nature. He wasn't born wanting to do it. So I see the fact that he's increased his amount of dunks every year as steady progression. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Nurkic in the offseason, but um, and, you know, while I don't want the Blazers to overpay for him, I still think that he has um, more room to grow. And I I still think he could give, um, if not, you know, uh, you know, overall greater numbers, I think he could give us more consistent production. Um, And yeah, so that was one of the things that I really enjoyed watching this uh, year with Yusuf Nurkic. Nice. And I did also um, always imagine dunking on people. So, <laughs> so I like that, Tara. Yeah. Well, Jamie, okay. your turn. You're up next. I'm next. Okay, I'm next. Uh, so now I was thinking as I was writing this list, I was like, well, when I wrote this list, it was the uh, when we had two game sevens with the Western Conference Finals going to game seven and the Eastern Conference Finals going to game seven. And isn't it crazy to think, I mean, we saw all the stats like, oh, it's been since 1979, there's been two game sevens. And 
think about that. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty nuts. So the fact that the Warriors and Rockets went to game seven, I loved that because I thought that series was very entertaining. Um, I was with Kendall, though. I was hoping it would be Houston pulling it out. Uh, but anyways, the fact that the NBA had two game sevens, I mean, the league always wants that. It's always good to, to extend that uh, series out. And I thought it was really fun for the fans, too. Yeah, it's nice to see at least. I mean, it's still, you know, pretty far from the top to the bottom of the league, but at least there's more challengers, you know, (laughs) to the. Yeah, it was nice that there was at least a chance that there was another team. Yeah, both top. It was definitely not a for sure. Some people thought it was, but I think Mm -hmm. overall it wasn't a for sure, which was nice, even though it ended up being the same result. It was still nice to have (laughs) a little hope that it was going to be different. Well, and yeah, no kidding. It feels like next year when they get back Kyrie and Hayward, that Boston, you know, if if the whole team returns basically intact with their well players, you know, it feels like the East could be much more wide open next year. Mm -hmm. But yeah, possibly. Or the East is gonna be tight. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think this post or this off season is gonna be. I mean, obviously with the bid questions, where's LeBron going? But I think there's also just so many. I think there's gonna be a lot of trades. I think that this is gonna be a big off season in general. So I think that things could be completely different next year. So. Yeah, when LeBron goes to Houston. Oh, yeah. oh I was going to say when Paul George goes to the Cavaliers. <laughs> I know that's I, I would love to see LeBron stay in Cleveland, but if he does leave, I want him to, to go to Philly. Oh. So, yeah. That'd be that good. Philly would become the next powerhouse. And so it, it's interesting. I think I think there's a, a lot that can change. So two, I'm excited for that. Two game sevens, I think, definitely portended that there, you know, could be um, it could be getting more interesting rather than just having the same people all the time. Even though we're still having the same people, it showed at least there's other contenders. All right, Kendall, you're up next. Okay, so um, going off my Philly comment, um, I I really like watching Philly, and I mostly because I'm a big um, Joel Embiid fan. And uh, one of my favorite, I just isn't really a moment, but just in general, um, just Embiid's social media presence um, throughout the season was, I mean, anyone who follows him on on Instagram, Twitter, anything knows how entertaining he is. Um, obviously, he's had, he had a lot of great tweets, but then on Instagram, I loved some of the posts that I really liked from him where um, when he, he had a layup over Lonzo Ball and posted something about the location being something with LeVar and uh, when him and Andre Drummond had the beef and Andre Drummond fouled out of the game when they played together and he posted that. He posted a picture of him dunking over Russell Westbrook. I mean, it just, it, it never ends with him and I love it. Um, but I think also just social media in general this year obviously was, I mean, social media in the NBA is huge anyway. But I think this year a lot really took off. Obviously the LeBron, LeBron, like Arthur meme. And at the beginning of the season, the Eric Bledsoe tweet that changed a lot. Just in social media in general this year, it's just been really entertaining. Um, And a lot has come from social media. So uh, that was very entertaining just all season long. And then of course there's (laughs) Kevin Durant's complete inability to figure any of it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. His, his whole social media presence is, is a whole issue in itself, but, um, well, let's see. So I'll go next. The, one of the things that I really admired, um, about what the NBA, we've talked you know, several times about some of the things that we admire about, like what the NBA in general has done. And I think one of the things that is really admirable is focusing their attention on mental health issues. And uh, in particular, um, at least two players coming out and telling their stories about things that they dealt with just this year. Um, uh, You know, there was Kevin Love discussing the panic attack that he had um, during the Cavs game. And then DeMar DeRozan uh, talking about a bout of depression that he was going through. Um, I love the fact that these big, strong men are willing to make themselves vulnerable and talk about these issues and that all of their friends and teammates are 
willing to support them. Um, I just, I think that's a, a really big deal and it sends a really uh, great message to a lot of the people who are watching the NBA that, you know, you can be like super tough on the outside, but um, there could be a lot going on and we just can't assume that we know everything about everybody. And also just reiterating that asking for help is perfectly okay. And it's like what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think what's been really great about it is that it's another example of how the NBA is such a player-driven lead and how the lead really tries to support its players. Um, just obviously the players supporting each other, but then just the lead supporting its players so much. And I think especially right now with what's going on with like the NFL, we're not seeing that happening in all leads. And I think that it's really great to see the NBA just continuing to get better and better at it while other leagues are getting worse. Um, so I think it, it looks really good, obviously, for these players to come out and do this, but it looks really good on the league, too. And mm-hmm. it's it, obviously it's a really like great thing that this has been happening, too. Uh, Jamie, do you want to go ahead and go next? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I completely agree with both – you, Tara, and Kendall, like, I think that's so awesome to see someone in that position be that vulnerable. I mean, a lot of people do not talk about any of those um, personal issues, so that's awesome. Okay, so my next one, um, thinking about how coaches always get the um, – I'm drawing a blank – how they're always um, – not credited. They're always, uh, they get fired for if your team isn't doing well, like they get I'm trying to. Think. Yes, there you go. That's how I should put it. So I think that coaches need to get more credit if their team is doing well. Um, so that's why I have so much respect for Brad Stevens and what he was able to do with this team. I mean, yes, it was the players stepping up when they are without their uh, leaders. Uh, but I think that Brad Steve- Stevens is this awesome like players coach that he just seems like a guy that you would get along with, like everyone would get along with. And I don't know. So I think that more people should have more respect for Coach Stevens. Uh, that's what I've been feeling in, in that last series. I mean, with LeBron James, I have already had so much respect for him as a player, and you you do have even more seeing what he's been able to do this year. But Brad Stevens, like, who would have thought with Kyrie out and Gordon Hayward that they could have made that Eastern Conference Finals such a series against King James? Like, I just never would have guessed it with that with that roster. So that's what I was thinking props to coach Stevens yeah he he's really impressive but you know it kind of reminds like what you started off talking about was about you know coaches getting fired when their teams aren't doing well and I think one of the things that I've been mulling over this year especially like after Fizdale got fired I said that as a joke but the thing the thing about it is is you know when we talk about people getting fired we usually assume people get fired for being bad at their job but I think oftentimes what happens in the NBA or maybe even in sports leagues is guys aren't fired for um, not being able, not for being bad at their job, but just not being the right person anymore. You know what I mean? Like, cause mm-hmm. they, they seemed most guys or most, you know, coaches are seem to be able to land something else most of the time and then have success. I mean, there's been plenty of, you know, now we've got the second, probably coach who gets coach of the year and then or you know loses his job and then gets coach of the year and I just think that when we talk about people getting fired it's not that they're like you know like somebody at one of our jobs might get fired because they weren't doing their job it's just that they're not the right yeah. fit for the personnel anymore you know yeah for sure if that makes sense and the word I was thinking of was uh, blaming them. Sorry, I finally like, came to mind. But no, that, that makes yeah. sense here. Okay, Kendall, what's your next story? Um, so I I don't know how new of it. I mean, this isn't like a super new thing, um, but it really came out this season was the whole idea of the secret wine society in the NBA, um, which obviously there was a big article that came out in February uh, through ESPN by Baxter Holmes. 
Baxter Holmes, who he's the same guy who wrote the PB&J story last year. And it came out around the same time, which obviously that was like a really great story. Um, but anyone who hasn't read the, his article on the Secret Wine Society definitely should. It's a, it's a fairly long article, but it's great. Um, it, it features just a lot of players that are talking about like how into wine they are basically and how, how many players in the league are into this. And like, it's, it's really fascinating. It's really funny to kind of hear the different stories. And um, I mean, LeBron talks about how he's playing the best basketball of his life and he's drinking wine every day. And it's a, it's a really fascinating article. Um, but I'm excited because this guy, he, Baxter Holmes, he writes these articles. This is two years in a row now. He's written an article like this. So I'm hoping that this continues and things keep being revealed every year because they're kind of fun. And um, I really like stuff like this with the lead. So, yeah, I really liked when this story came out. One of the things I thought was so interesting about that article was they were talking about how the, the players, because they are so good and so driven and they're so used to just like working harder than everybody else around them, that um, they talked to some different sommeliers around the country who met these guys and were just shocked at how much they knew. Like they couldn't believe how much wine knowledge guys like LeBron James have because these guys are just such perfectionists and they are just used to being better than everybody at everything. And so like, if they're going to learn about wine, they're going to learn absolutely everything about wine. (laughs) Did you guys see the uh, CJ and Evan Turner Instagram story when they went to the local winery? Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a part in the article where CJ talks about he didn't know Evan Turner was into <sighs> wine, really. And he found out that he, he found out like partway through the season and he found out that on their off days, Evan Turner was going to wineries. <laughs> and it was like, I was mad that he didn't tell me because I want to be going with him. And like, so... Um, yeah, there's like a little funny part in the article about that. I think that. that NBC Sports Northwest needs to follow up on that story, Jamie. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, maybe I could, you know, go to the wineries with them. You want to come, guys? Tara, Kendall? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the story is uniquely suited to you. And I think that uh, I think you should make the pitch for it. And we can write, okay. you know, any letters yeah. to anybody right. that we need to to say how we think that you'd be the best to cover this one. Oh, awesome. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay. <laughs> My next one is also Evan Turner themed. Um, and, you know, so here's the thing about Evan Turner. If you can talk about him without qualifying, despite his contract, like that's the thing about Evan Turner is he has gotten himself into so many strange situations throughout his entire life that you it's like almost like he's not not normal like he just gets into these bizarre situations where like he's drafted number two and he's surprised and he's shocked about it you know um or somebody offers him 17 million dollars and he reportedly laughs at it because he can't believe that's how much money somebody is offering him or like my favorite one of my favorite stories of the year a dumpster uh crashes into his pool this kind of thing seems like it only could happen to Evan Turner and Evan Turner seems like the only person who could turn this into like an interesting story. He just, he's like, in some ways, um, you know, he's the gift that keeps on giving because you just never know what's going to come out of him or what crazy thing that he's going to get embroiled in. And uh, earlier in the season, he was in his house for people who don't remember, he was in his house and a truck went over the guardrail and fell into his pool, like crashed over the retaining wall, landed in his pool. It was like a, I think it was carrying like a dumpster or something. And um, actually, the driver of the truck, uh, it's, it's this is only a funny story because nobody got really hurt because the driver could have seriously been hurt. He was underwater and it was Evan Turner's chef who was able to get out there and support him and help him out until they were able to uh, extricate him from the truck. Um, and of course, Evan Turner, uh, you know, turns it into just like this fantastic story. He calls Bruce Ely from the uh, Trailblazers to the photographer to bring his drone so that he can come over and take 
pictures with the drone. And my favorite part of it is the fact that the whole time, because he's out there like all day long, Evan Turner's out there in his silk boxing robe and his fuzzy slippers. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just such a perfect Evan Turner story. And the, it's, it's so strange with Evan Turner in Portland because on the one hand, he fits here so well with just his like quirkiness and his like he'll talk about anything he'll give you an honest answer he has no filter and um you know i've heard multiple trailblazers talk about how he's one of the best teammates that they ever had um and it's just it's just so typical of evan turner for it to be like so hard for us to just fully embrace him because of the whole contract issue but at the same time he's always entertaining and there's always something going on that's true that's he's uh he is very entertaining especially with his instagram yes. stories <laughs> hey, jamie have you ever yeah. interviewed him for a story or ever talked to him yes and you kind of brace yourself because you don't know what he's gonna say um and and I think he also has a little smirk every time that he'll cuss during an interview kind of like ha I know you're going to have to bleep that out but you know it's real talk with Evan Turner all the time <laughs> That is for sure All right well Jamie you're up next Okay so this is my last last one right Um so I want to talk about Damian Lillard's play during the Blazers' 13-game winning streak. Because as a team, the Blazers were clicking. Everything was working. You had Maurice Harkless back in the middle of that streak, um, I believe. And things were, were really looking good for the Blazers on both ends of the court. But Dame himself elevated his game during that streak. Guys, I looked up numbers because I was like, I remember like, oh yeah, Dame was killing it then, right? But I was thinking I should look at the stats just to see. So during that 13 game span, Damian Lillard shot nearly 40% from three, uh, but he had 6.4 assists, which is up from his uh, career average quite a bit, I think. And then as far as points go, he was averaging 30 and a half points per game. Uh, so that that was that was such a fun time, the 13 game winning streak. And I think Kendall's going to talk about it, so I won't say much more. But I think for Blazer fans, that was like one of the coolest times, right? When you're just riding high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that's my next one is talking about that streak. Obviously, um, yeah, as a fan, that was incredible to watch. I think that came at such a great time, too we get to this point and it was right before the all-star break. And usually it's right after the all-star break. Um, but going into that all-star break with obviously the game that started the, the winning streak was against golden state. And that win just started off the whole thing and just got that momentum going. And that was just such an exciting time. And so many people talk about winning streaks of, Oh, well, if it's not, it doesn't really matter if they're playing bad teams or whatever it is. And when you look at the teams that the Blazers beat during the streak, they didn't have an easy schedule for those 13 games. There were a couple, um, obviously a couple lottery teams in there, but they beat Golden State twice. They beat Utah, Minnesota, OKC, Cleveland. I mean, they weren't they weren't just lose, beating bad teams. They were beating teams that theoretically they should not have been beating or they shouldn't have easily been beating or whatever it is that people want to say. Um, so it was definitely a really exciting time as a fan and just as an NBA fan to just be kind of watching a team come up like this. And then I actually looked and it's the longest streak since 2007 for the Blazers. So that's exciting because that kind of obviously gives fans hope of things really are moving forward with the team. And yeah, so that was definitely a very exciting time. All right. Well, my my final one is also has to do with the 13 game winning streak. And um, my final thing is that it was a single game. It was that February 23rd victory over Utah. It was actually the second win of that 13 game streak. And it was the first game back after the All-Star break. Um, and one of the reasons that that game really stands out to me is because I was actually there in Utah. So that was like super fun. So I'm going to remember that one forever. But it 
was also a game where I was kind of on pins and needles because I was afraid after the all-star break, you know, things might be going back to normal. I remember people spending so much time discussing how uh, the end of the season schedule was going to be just so brutal. And at that time, uh, Utah was on an 11 game winning streak. So um, that win just made me feel so good about the direction of the team at that time. And I remember that was a night where like suddenly Mo Harkless was everywhere. Um, and that was like, it was kind of like, whoa, he's, you know, where did Mo come from? He was back. And um, although, you know, Donovan Mitchell had a great game. The Blazers just did not give them an inch and they were in Utah and they were in Utah at a time where Utah was playing some of their best basketball and to go in and do that, it just felt extra good. So that was like my favorite game of the year. That's also, I didn't know you were at that game, Tara. That's, that's yeah, a pretty special I game. Yeah, I got to totally be lucky that it was such a great game. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was fun. It was the first of, uh, you know, we're going to start every year. My husband and I are going to like pick one game that we're going to go to because it was just so fun. And I met people there who were Blazer fans who did the same thing. And I was like, this is really fun. This is like a great way to like see different parts of the country and, you know, like have a reason to be there and something to get into. But then you're also like in a different place so you can go experience what they have to offer. So I'm looking forward to it doing more of that. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, we made it through 15 things that we wow. loved about the 2018 season. Hopefully people um, enjoyed reminiscing with us. Uh, and Jamie, thank you so much for joining us to do this. Um, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Like I said, you are our first return guest. So we got to have you be our first three-time guest too when the time comes. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Tara and Kendall. And I think you guys rock. And so keep up the good work and keep thank killing you very it on this much. podcast. Well, do you want to tell people where they can find all this like a million bazillion things you've been doing lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. So um, a lot of my work is on the, our website right now, NBCSportsNorthwest.com. And you guys can find me on Twitter, Jamie Hudson, NBCS. Okay, Kendall, go ahead and tell folks where they can find your stuff. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Kendall Bennett 16. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the only thing I really have to plug. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, this edition of the What Podcast. Again, you can find the What Podcast in the Blazers Edge feed. And you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. Go also find Kendall and Jamie and follow them and see what they have to say. We've all got lots to say and we want to know what you, our listeners, have to say. So I'll just one more time remind you that you can contact us via Twitter at Hoops and Talks or you can email us at hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. We would love to hear what's on your mind and hear your ideas for future guests and shows. And again, hot takes, ladies. We want your hot takes. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time.